how do you choose what emoji skin tone to use? I recently like was using a high five emoji and I used the brown one and my friend was yelling at me. I use the second darkest skin tone emoji. If it's a group of people like my wife who is Indian, you know, go with the darker skin tone for her. I won't go through the effort of like then selecting whatever brown skin matches mine, but for ones that I have already set it to and it's like in my frequently used ones, I use the skin tone that looks like me. I got sick of seeing the yellow because I noticed no one else was using the yellow. So I was like, I guess I should choose this now. That's not your skin tone, like embrace your skin tone. I mean, I think it's just an emoji, I guess. My floor mates got off the elevator and he was like, Josh, did you hear about the emojis? They have black ones now. Hello, and welcome to Why'd You Push That Button, a show where Caitlin Tiffany Hello. and Ashley Carmen, that's me, examine all the choices technology forces us to make. Today, Caitlin and I are discussing a topic that we have wanted to discuss since season one of the show, and it is now happening. <laughs> I think it's a topic that lots of people have discussed, too, just to be clear. Yeah, we're not originals here. This is just a... <laughs> a fraught world we live in, and Caitlin and I have decided to tackle this topic. So today, we are talking about how you choose your emoji skin tone. For anyone who maybe isn't aware of emoji skin tones, so there's five skin tones you can choose from, and then six if you count the default, which is gold. Yeah, like that hideous McDonald's yellow. Yeah, and your emoji are gold by default, but then you can choose to switch over to a skin tone. The emoji changed in 2015 to offer the different skin tone options. So people have been obviously discussing it since then. This is a classic Why'd You Push That Button episode topic origin story Mm -hmm. for Gavin in the old Vox Media cafeteria. Mm -hmm. And so I have a friend who is white and uses... Not the white emoji, but the tan emoji. Yeah. Because she's just like someone who happens to be kind of naturally like a little bit of a tan. And I mean, she's Italian. You could say that she has like olive colored skin, I guess. But I I was always kind of like, oh, that's a kind of a weird choice. I don't really know if that's what that emoji was intended for. Totally. Was for like a tannish white person. Yeah. I definitely have had that experience before, too, with some of my friends where they are 100% certifiably white people. Like there is no, there is no debate. Like, like I'm sure like if you sent that in to 23andMe, there is no like potential for any other race in there, but they use the darker emoji and the tan, I should say. And so every time I see that, I'm like, what's going on here? And I mean, in my own personal use, I have kind of, because I pay attention to these choices people make because I'm a freak, I'm like, I don't know what to do here. Like, do I use the white emoji? Like, do I use the gold? Do I call attention to my race? Because to me, using the white emoji kind of felt like over the top. Like, it kind of felt like I was screaming like, I'm white, make sure you know. Tell a a friend. Just let everyone know. Yeah, it's weird. I mean, I don't think that I really use very many emojis at all. And I tend to use the gold one just because I'm lazy and don't feel like switching them. But like, I don't know. Is that a weird thing to do? I do have a like a white person emoji in my Instagram bio, like a girl raising her hand Mm -hmm. because I just thought the gold one didn't look very good next to the other emojis in the line. And I was like, whatever, everyone can see I'm white. My face is right here. Right. But yeah, I don't know. It's weird. So I think like for this episode, because there are so many like super specific use cases, we're going to do something a little different. Yeah. We're changing up the format. Instead of Caitlin interviewing a single person, me interviewing a single person, we are going to actually just try. I mean, we by no means have exhausted all of the possible human experiences on this planet, but we have tried (laughs) 
our damnedest to get as many people as we can to come talk to us about their experiences using skin tone emoji and how they think about it, how they think about their friends using it, to try to capture just how complex emoji use is and how basically it seems these five skin tone options don't really encompass the complexity of the world. And also how every single time any platform we use changes, it presents people with infinite, infinite more things to worry about. Exactly. Yeah. So we're going to do that. And then after we talk to all of these users, we're actually going to give you more interviews. We have two expert interviews in this episode. Both of them are really incredible. One is with a writer who did kind of her own informal study of how people use emoji skin tones. And the second is with a researcher who did this at the University of Edinburgh. So we have a lot to get to. I think we shouldn't waste more time just chatting about our feelings, even though I do love to chat about feelings, you know, but let's get to it. Okay. We first started out talking to a white guy named Eric who uses the yellow default emoji. It's kind of my way of not wanting to offend anybody. So I'll wait until they maybe use a different skin tone for any messages that they're sending my way. And then I will typically stick with the one that's closest to me, which is usually the palest white skin tone because that's me. As you mentioned, thinking of the yellow emoji as the quote-unquote default is sort of unique for white and white presenting people. In fact, most people said it looked like a cartoon. A cartoon of a white person. That's what I think. I mean, they have flowing hair that you can put to the side. My hair doesn't do that. My hair goes up. It doesn't go to the side. That's Malachi and Rosie. They both work for Vox in our DC office. You'll hear more from them later. We also chatted with a neuroscience researcher named Ben who doesn't identify with any of the five available skin tones. I'm mixed race, uh, mostly white, a little bit African-American, smaller bit Native American, but you know, basically look like a white person who's a little bit tan. For me, I guess it, it would feel like using the white emoji uh, would be sort of calling attention to the fact that I'm white, uh, which I don't necessarily want to do if I'm just sending someone an emoji. Likewise, using the tan one would feel sort of like calling attention to the fact that I'm you know, not exactly white or slightly not white. Not identifying with any of the available skin tones came up a lot, actually, even for people who said they use the skin tone emoji. I don't identify with emoji number two because it's light and I feel like it belongs with a white person. That's Rosie again. When she does use skin tone emoji, she thinks a lot about identity and culture and colorism, a type of prejudice that's based on a person's skin tone. I am Latina and I'm proud of the color of my skin. In my culture, my skin tone is too dark. Even in certain societies, in Latin societies, it's better to be light. But my mother taught me otherwise. You are proud of your tan skin, and that's why I identify with the darker one. And that's another thing we heard a lot. When people can't find an emoji that matches their skin, they have to pick the closest one. And the decision to go lighter or darker can be really tough. The fifth emoji is too dark for my skin tone, but I get pushback when I use the fourth emoji, even though my skin is literally brown. That's Soko, another Staffer. Even though she thinks her skin tone probably falls in between tones four and five, she ultimately decided to use the darkest skin tone, mainly because she doesn't want to seem like she's ashamed of having dark skin. I don't want to associate number five with something negative, especially if it wasn't made with that. I use five now because it is the darkest tone. Just like, hey, you know, I'm dark. Her co-worker Malachi says Soko using the darkest emoji in work conversations definitely stands out. When I see the darkest emoji, five... I know that's Soko. Not in a bad way, in a good way. Like, I know that she is there, like, making that comment. I know it's her, because I always scroll over to see who commented, and it says Soko on it. And I'm like, 
my girl. Soko and Malachi agreed that five skin tones aren't very representative. As we'll hear from one of our experts later, the five tones are based on something called the Fitzpatrick scale. But a lot of people think the Fitzpatrick scale is flawed, especially because it doesn't capture the variety of tones in darker skin. They're missing the fine details between different numbers. The hues in the the face, under the eyes, the yellows, the oranges, the reds in our skin tone versus the other ones where I can see eyebrows. I I can see the features in the face. So even though most of the people we talked to felt like the skin tones are flawed and don't actually capture their color, most of them said the option to use darker tones is really empowering, even when it's not their own skin tone, as is the case with a guy named Joshua who we talked to. I've been using the second to the last um, emoji. I guess you would say, quote unquote, the browner one that's not the darkest shade, so next to it. That one mostly resembles my skin tone, but then I started using the darkest emoji around the same time that there was like racial unrest sweeping the country. So this is 2014, I'm in college, I'm in Baltimore. So this is right in the wake of the Baltimore uprisings, the murder of Freddie Gray, and I'm conflicted because for the first time I'm around people who don't look like me. I'm being taught by individuals who don't look like me. And so in this rise of Black issues and also an embracing of Blackness and a sense of community, I started using the darker emojis just because I thought if I'm going to solely embrace who I am, then why not lean fully in? Like I'm still Black. It's not like I'm putting on blackface or anything. Malachi says using the brown emoji is also a way to distinguish himself as a Black person in mostly white spaces. He says this comes up a lot in Slack, a workplace chat app. If we're in a Slack group, you know, we can just add comments or emojis to a comment. Now, I pridefully add in that black skin tone. You get a line full of muscles flexing. I will put that brown muscle emoji in there like, yes, I'm here. But using a brown or black emoji when talking to mostly white people can also be awkward, as we heard from Jay. She had a really frustrating situation with some of her coworkers over Slack. I reacted to someone's message in a group channel with, I think it was a thumbs up in my closest skin tone. And a couple of my non-black co-workers also glommed onto that reaction and it made me feel really uncomfortable. It just kind of felt like this digital blackface and I didn't really know how to address it. But then in other situations, someone would use their own skin tone, a different skin tone emoji, and I would feel weird about adding, say, that same emoji, but in my skin tone as a reaction, because it just felt like I was drawing a lot of attention to race in that moment. Okay, so obviously making decisions about emoji skin tones can be really fraught and complicated, but almost everyone we talked to had some recommendations on how Unicode could make this experience better. My advice to Unicode would be to make it so that our families, we can customize skin tones. You know, you have blended families, you might have interracial marriages where you have interracial children. Maybe they could add a few more skin colors. Maybe they could separate the skin color and hair color. I would say take advice from Bitmoji because on Snapchat, the Bitmojis are accurate. Like when I pull mine up and I see my face, I'm like, I did a good job. 
And everyone thought the emoji could use a trip to the beauty salon. Where's the curly hair? Where are the curls? Like there's an emoji for a black person with red hair, but not a Latino with black hair or a white person with blonde hair. I see a black person emoji getting his hair cut, but his hair, it looks like a, like a wave. Like it looks like I would have like white person hair. It kind of makes the black emojis that get stuck with these colors of hair kind of look like caricatures, like jokes. And it's like, let's talk about like styles of hair. What about women who have curly afros and then the different types of curl texture? You know, you have short froze, you have long froze, you have kinky froze. You, you know, they don't understand that you got C1 hair, you got weaves, you, you have, have lace fronts, you have all that. For me, you have shaved heads. Can I get an emoji with a shaved head that doesn't have blue eyes and has makeup? Oof, a lot of feedback. I love it. Yeah. Now we're going to get to the experts. We're going to talk to Alexander Robertson. He's a PhD candidate at the University of Edinburgh, and he actually did a study about how people use skin tone emoji on Twitter. After that, we'll take a second break. Phew. And then we'll come back with Zara Rahman, a reporter, researcher, linguist, who wrote a piece for The Daily Dot recently called the problem with emoji skin tones that no one talks about. And she spoke to like hundreds of people for this piece, which is ridiculous. Yeah. I have never put that much effort into anything in my life. I hope they paid her very well. Same. Okay, we'll be right back. Hey, it's Tom Warren, senior editor at The Verge here. Microsoft is in an era-defining moment. It's betting on AI as the future of work, its Xbox business is going through transformational changes, and the Mac versus PC war is about to be back on. So I'm launching a newsletter called Notepad. It'll be your inside guide to all those changes and beyond. From details on the next Xbox to that one time every Microsoft employee named Michael appeared on a mysterious email list. Whatever is happening at Microsoft, you'll be able to read about it first in Notepad every Thursday. Go subscribe now at theverge.com forward slash notepad. All right, so we are back with Alexander Robertson. He is a PhD candidate at the University of Edinburgh. Hey there. Hey. So you did a paper about emoji and skin tone and modifiers. Could you walk us through that paper and kind of tell the audience what you did? Sure. So 2015, the Unicode Consortium, which is the body that determines what's going to become emoji and what's not, they added the ability for users to change the appearance of some emoji to make them look more human in terms of skin color. And there were five, five skin tones were added. And the idea was this was going to help to represent human diversity. Initially, when people realized this, they were like, well, this is going to be go one of two ways. Either people won't use them because there's already too many emoji to begin with. And this is just multiply the number of emoji by, you know, five in some cases. Or people are going to use them to be abusive on on Twitter, especially. But nobody did any research. So the work that we did here at Edinburgh looked at whether whether this is true. And in the, in the case of the, the first question, you know, do people use them? We found overwhelmingly, yeah, they're very, very common. So uh, a vast majority of uh, emoji that can have a modifier... 
are modified for, for skin colour. Then in terms of whether they're used abusively, the way that we looked at this was determining whether people use a skin colour that matches their own skin tone in real life. And what we found is that overwhelmingly people do pick a skin tone on an emoji that's very close to their own skin tone in real life. And uh, also people very rarely use uh emoji that are you know at the other end of the the scale if you know what i mean and then there was nothing we also did like sort of sentiment analysis though of these emoji of these tweets that had emoji at the far end of the scale compared to what you would expect based on the user and they were actually more positive overall do you have any um any like numbers on on how many people use them and what your sample size was yeah so we started with a sample of something like 0.6 billion tweets and we gathered these over the course of a year from twitter and from that we selected so we started with like 10,000 users at random and from these random users we got their Twitter profile pictures and we annotated them for the, the skin colour of the person in the in the picture where possible. So that let, not everyone has a, a profile picture on Twitter as I'm sure you'll know. Uh, so we ended up with around 5,000 I think it was annotated users that we had this demographic information for and their tweets that we could look at. Do you know like like roughly how many of those people were using like emoji with the different skin colors? Not all of them have got emoji, but you know, let's say 83 million do have emoji and of those 83 million, then 13 million of them have an emoji that you can modify for skin color and of these, half of them had been modified. So in terms of like percentages, then and we're looking at, you know, in half of the cases where you could apply a skin tone modifier, people did actually did actually do that. Well, so anecdotally, when Caitlin and I had first talked about this episode, I thought what we were going to find was that there were more like light skinned people using darker emoji. And mm-hmm. you actually found the opposite of that, right? Absolutely, yeah. First of all, if you go onto Twitter and say you get all of the emoji that have skin colour modifiers and you count them all up and you just see what's more common, do you have more white ones or more or more dark ones? And you're going to find more more light-skinned emoji on, on Twitter. And that's simply because there are just more white people on, on Twitter. Um, and what was interesting about the, the study that, that I did was that you know, we got this kind of like background knowledge, you know, we were able to control for the sizes of populations on Twitter by, you know, by finding out, you know, well, which of these users have which colour of skin, essentially. And then once you take that into account, you can see that although there are more white people and more white emoji altogether, when you look at you know how often people of particular skin colours use these coloured emojis, actually the darker your skin is, the more likely you are to use these emoji. No matter where you are in the world, you see that it's always, um, you know, uh, the, the lightest skin tone is the most common and then the, and the darkest one is the least common. But when you group people by their actual skin tone in real life, you know, even though you've got, say, you know, a thousand people with um, the lightest skin tone, but only a hundred people with a darker skin tone, you find that they use them at very different rates. So when you can control for different population sizes, uh, you can actually look at their their relative usages of these skin tone colours. And that's where you see that white people essentially use them less often than people with darker skin tones. What's most interesting to me about this question is the way that people use them in conversation and whether they're using them differently when they're referring to themselves or referring to someone else. Or just based on the like the skin color of the person they're talking to, I think like maybe 
that would make a difference. I know we had like an email from a listener who said that he's mixed race, so he will use a default emoji until someone he's talking to uses an emoji and then like maybe he'll change. It's kind of like he's just like waiting to see how the conversation goes. So I guess I'm curious on Twitter, especially when like maybe the emojis people are using don't refer to them or to another specific person, but to like a general thought or like a famous person even? Like, how do you see people using them differently? That's really interesting you ask that because, I mean, I didn't cover that in the the paper that was published early this year, but the paper that I am submitting for review this Friday is actually asking exactly that question. So overwhelmingly, people use emoji with skin cone modifiers for self-reference. But in this um, new study that we've done, we looked at cases where people were using a skin tone colour for their emoji that didn't match their actual skin colour. And then we looked at the circumstances around this and we sort of, you know, we classified them into different types of um, different types of usage, essentially. And we find that often people will use them to refer to other people or to groups of people. And this is especially if they are chatting to someone that they know on Twitter. So if they, if they, if they mention someone in a tweet and it's sort of a direct sort of, you know, public type message, then if they're using an emoji to refer to that person, then they'll also potentially, but not all the time, match the skin tone of the emoji to the person they're referring to. But I think it's important to point out that this is just extremely rare. So in less than, you know, under 4% of, you know, millions and millions and millions of emoji usages, most of them do refer to the person who's writing. But there are definitely are people out there, you know, like your friend who use them to refer to, to other people um, or choose to turn them on based on who they're talking to. So when someone's using an emoji with like the skin tone modifier and it doesn't match their actual skin tone, what's going on there usually? In many cases, it can just be a mistake, right? Because, you know, you're on your phone, you're you're typing and you you just, you, you click the wrong icon. It's very easily done. Um, I do it all the time. You've got like big thumbs on tiny phones. <laughs> but um, occasionally you'll, you know, you'll be talking with someone that has a different skin colour to you. And often this is very co- common in the case of celebrities. So uh, one tweet that I saw was uh, someone very excited about being pregnant, but especially because they were pregnant at the same time as Beyonce. And and therefore, they used emojis for for the women in this tweet um, that matched Beyonce's skin tone rather than her own, the the original tweeter's skin tone. That's a very easy example to to figure out what's going on because, you know, they've they've mentioned Beyonce in this tweet and, you know, they've used emoji that matches everyone nicely. So so those those are examples of direct reference. But we also uh, categorise this, um, you know, a second type of that, which is like oblique reference. So you don't mention someone by name or by username on Twitter, but you're definitely talking talking about someone that isn't you. You want to refer to this person in a sort of roundabout kind of way. In many cases, those tweets will have an emoji where the skin tone doesn't match the user who's writing, but it's it's kind of clear from the context that this is, you know, this emoji refers to this other person and they've they've included the, uh, you know, a skin tone that matches them as well to some extent. So, who uses the gold emoji? 
basically everyone uses it to some extent. But the you know I think the real question there there is you know who's more likely to to use um, a gold emoji versus one that matches their skin tone, and the answer to that is essentially white people. You know people with the lightest skin tones are more likely to use yellow emoji, even if they do use emoji that matches their skin tone to some extent. Most of their emoji will actually be yellow and. If you look at users who who never use any colors at all, who only ever use gold emoji, those users are majority white users. Is that emoji coded in some social way as like as white? Like because I I use it just because I feel like a little bit creepy being like I'm going to select the white emoji to like emphasize my whiteness. But I don't like yeah. I don't, I don't know how other people f- like feel about it. Back when these became available in 2015, you know, what another thing that people said was that oh, white people will never use these because they'll be too they'll be too embarrassed or too ashamed. Um you know, only white supremacists will use them because, <laughs> you know, by, you know, putting like a white skin tone on your on your emoji, you're, you know, you're celebrating your whiteness in some way. But then of course what the data shows is that no, like white people are essentially shameless and they're using these, you know, you know, very <laughs> often, um, but at a lesser rate than people with darker skins. And I think that's essentially because, you know, there isn't that sense of pride, you know, that, that goes with alongside being white, potentially, in the same way that for minorities, you know, you know, taking that minority status and turning it into a badge of honour is, you know, that's that's one way of dealing with, you know, being a minority and be, you know, being proud of yourself um, and your and your background. So therefore, emoji can be a way of doing that. With the yellow one, though, you're right. I mean, this is the entire reason that we, you know, that the, well, say, you know, the Unicode Consortium, you know, brought in these new skin tones because even you know, the original argument is that, oh, yellow doesn't represent anyone. No one has yellow skin, you know, this bright gold skin. But when you look at it from the perspective of, well, actual people, the yellow tone is, is it's essentially a proxy for whiteness. You know, I think it's very telling that the, you know, the original emoji weren't, you know, bright green or bright purple. You know, I think in that case, you maybe have a bit of an argument for saying, oh, it's not like a, they're not pretend white, essentially. We've talked a lot about kind of the social aspects here, but to kind of move into more of the product limitations, um, most recently, Apple, which I don't know, Apple's not the only company in the world, but they, you know, are a big deal when they introduce new emoji. And they introduced bald emoji and red haired emoji. And I think you even mentioned in this paper that like a lot of skin tones aren't represented. I'm wondering if you found that like a lot of people just don't see themselves represented here. Like the possibilities are truly endless. There was a really good blog post about this, how basically there's just like an endless combination of skin tones, hair color, hair type, eye color. I mean, all of these things. And it seems like the emoji themselves have also come with pre-designed combinations that don't necessarily work. Yeah. Going back to 2015 again, and Unicode Consortium says we need more representation of human diversity in emoji. Absolutely brilliant goal. And to some extent, they've achieved that. But the five skin tones that they chose are not well distributed in, you know, well, first of all, in the colour space. So you you can take a colour, you can represent it as three different values, and then you can plot these in a little 3D cube. And if you do 
this for the five skin tone emoji that are available, you see that the first four, uh, from lightest to second less darkest, they f- they form like a nice spread out pattern in three dimensions. But then when you get to that that fifth darkest emoji, it's way off in its own little corner. The difference between skin tone four and five for emoji is much more different compared to between uh, two and three or three and four. So this means that you know there's there's a whole load of people who probably fall somewhere between four and five who who aren't being represented. Essentially, five skin tones for emoji just isn't enough. What are the different emoji shades based on? So they're based on the the Fitzpatrick scale, which is um, a measure of skin color in humans uh, based on levels of pigmentation. And this is actually a six scale, a six point scale, but we use it in emoji. Uh, we reduce it down down to five. So uh, skin tones one and two are represented by the the first emoji skin tone. And then three, four, five and six are covered by the rest. Honestly, do you think this is something that can be solved? It kind of sounds overwhelming. (laughs) I mean, the blog post I'm referencing, Jeremy Burge, he runs. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know him. He's a big deal in the emoji world. He points out that basically like we already are our menus are already so stacked with emoji and options mm-hmm. like if you tried to create that pull down menu for skin tone and hair color and any any bigger you're just in a whole nother world. So, I mean, do you see a solution for this? Like, have you thought through what the future could be? I think for in terms of skin tone, it's maybe a slightly easier than it is for hair, you know, because like hair is kind of, it's dis- it's discreet, you know. You've got um, you know, you've got you've got straight, you've got curly, you've got bald. Um, you know, there's like there's like a very small number of combinations there, and I don't think people will be too upset that you know they, there isn't an emoji which perfectly represents their their hair style, you know, as it is that day. But in terms of skin color, because it's um, you can re- represent this along you know a continuous spectrum. Or what I can imagine is in the future for these uh, these keyboards, you don't have you you know, the uh, the five t- colors you know shown to you in a little list you maybe just at the beginning you you pick one color uh, from a wheel in so, or some 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 other interface I don't know I'm not an interface designer I'll tell you that right now um, but the people choose this and they and then it just gets set you know they choose the color that's best for them and um, and then this is what gets used for for everything but then this also brings problems for the users that we've talked about before who who might use them to refer to other people and or also want to turn it on and off um, depending on the circumstances. So yeah, I think we could definitely make it easier to pick a colour which better reflects people's identities but whether we could make it convenient every time they wanted to change that is another question. Well, thanks to Alexander for joining us and sharing his research. As we mentioned before, we're now going to talk to Zara Rahman, a writer, linguist, and researcher who conducted her own mini-study about emoji skin tone. We're back with writer and researcher Zara Rahman. She wrote this great piece recently for The Daily Dot about skin tone emoji. And you surveyed like 100 people, correct, to talk to them about how they use them and 
why and how they feel about them? Yeah, I ended up speaking with a lot of people about this. Um, I got kind of low-key obsessed with how uh, people were using emoji skin tones in their communications. So I ended up talking about it over dinners and asking on mailing lists and at conferences and uh, with all sorts of people. How long were you doing this? This is like a full-blown scientific study (laughs) over there. This is way more effort than I put into my reporting. Yeah, seriously. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was funny. I, I... Yes, I started thinking about it back in maybe February and then just I feel like emoji skin tones it's something that everyone has and well a lot of people have an experience of whether they've intentionally thought about it or not and it's something that lots of people have opinions about and experiences of so it was it ended up being just a very good kind of thing to ask a big group of people about and then people would take it take the discussion on themselves and talk about it and share experiences and get confused at other people's preferences and how they do things so something that I thought was really cool about your piece was that we're always talking about these things in terms of like the choice that you're being pushed to make by the like technology that you're using in your everyday life. And you really hit on that, like the drama, like the fraught feeling of having to choose one of these like emoji skin tones. Can you talk a little bit about some of the people you spoke to for whom like the choice was harder um, and kind of talk about why? Yeah, I mean, I began realizing that for me, uh, as I said, like when the brown the brown was introduced, I saw myself and was like, wow, I can do this. And this now looks like me. Um, and for many of the people that I spoke to who didn't identify so clearly with one of the categories, that choice was a lot more fraught. Um, so that included, I don't know, uh, white passing Arab people or white passing Latinos or, yeah, people who had different heritages that meant that their skin color didn't really match with their identity or their own understanding of their racial identity. And through all of this, I really I began to realize what the limitations of such a simplified uh, categorization was. Basically, if you didn't see yourself very clearly in one of those categories, it opened up this world of confusion for yourself. So how are people dealing with that confusion? So some people I spoke to said that they actively avoid using human-like emoji, so anything where they would have to make some kind of choice, which I found really interesting that that you just kind of veer away from having to put yourself in a position of making any kind of choice. Um, Other people used the yellow or other people used different skin tones depending on who they were speaking to at different times. So what kind of conversation they were in, whether it was with people from a certain area of their life or people from a different area of their life, that kind of thing. So yeah, it was a lot of context switching uh, depending on who, who they were talking to. Okay, I mean, we could get more like specific about specific use cases. So I, you definitely talk about white people using darker emoji. Did you also find that people that have darker skin tone use lighter emoji? And can you talk about those two use cases? Yeah, sure. Um, I actually didn't really find any people who had darker skin tones using lighter ones. And that was very interesting to me. So when I started thinking about this, I thought, I wonder if there are any white people who use a black emoji. And I came across a few people that I didn't know very well, or didn't at least I didn't know well enough to say, hey, can we sit down and talk about this? Um, but I was very interested in how they, how and why they made those choices. And then it ended up being that just a bunch of friends would send me tweets of people that they'd come across where they'd been like, did you know this person is white? They're using a black emoji. And obviously if I didn't know them, I couldn't say, hey, um, Uh, Kate, would you mind talking to me about your racial choice when it comes to emoji? So then 
almost universally when I spoke to people of color, if they saw themselves fitting in with a specific category, they would use that one. And if they didn't, then they were, if they, you know, as I said, if their kind of identity didn't match with the skin tone that they were perceived as or that kind of thing, then they were like, it's, it just is a lot more confusing and a lot harder to make those choices. With white people, it seemed to be this moment of confronting their whiteness where they were just really awkward and confused where some people a lot of people particularly in the U.S. a lot of white people I spoke to in the U.S. said that they saw using white as almost an expression of uh, supporting white supremacy or white power and it was really interesting because other white people I spoke to from other areas of the world didn't see that at all and they were very confused by this um yeah, this association that just saying I am white and I'm using a white hand could mean anything other than I am white and using a white hand. So that was really interesting to see those cultural norms kind of come up and see how widespread they were, despite the fact that there are no kind of accepted social norms around this. At the beginning, you talk about how like a friend of yours who is white used like a a brown hand emoji. Did you talk to him about that? I did, yeah. I uh, So that was one of the first occasions where someone that I knew had done that way round of things. So I talked to him about it and that was a really nice way of kind of framing the piece um, and thinking about my research through this. What did he say? Why did he use it? Um, his original kind of justification was that he felt like that whiteness was overrepresented in the space that he was in, so in technology, and that he wanted to kind of be more inclusive of other people that were out there. Huh. That's actually really interesting. Because he was using it in a job posting, just to be, just to clarify, yeah. Yeah, so he uh, tweeted a job posting and used a couple of brown hands. And I, of course, was like, finally, someone that I know who's done this, I can talk to him about this. (laughs) Um, And yeah, and I mean, like the, the reason that, one of the other reasons that I found this topic so interesting was that even though we all, well, almost all of us make some kind of choice, whether it, whether that choice is to use the yellow or to use the white or to the, use the brown, we all have to make that choice. And so few people that I found had put intentional thought into it. So for example, with him, he was like, huh, this is the first time that I've had to kind of like externalize my thought process, but this is what I'm coming up with right now. And that was the case with so many people where they said, huh, I've never really thought about this. And I found that so interesting. Not everyone overanalyzes everything they do like we do. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's true. It was true. You use the emoji, right? Like you use the skin tone modifier? Yeah, I use the brown one and I really enjoy it. I think it's it's a really nice way of, at least for me, again, acknowledging the privilege that I have of, you know, seeing myself in one of those categories and that that's not the case for everyone. I enjoy being able to kind of casually just be brown online um, without it being assumed that the default is white or the default is yellow or that kind of thing. Yeah. Can we talk about the default yellow? Because I know you bring up in the piece like The Simpsons and, and how like yellow <laughs> kind of culturally became a white default in that way, which is not the way that's intended in emoji, but like it kind of has that connotation. Is that something that people brought up a lot when you were talking to them about using that choice? Yeah, it was mostly white people who told me, oh, I didn't want to make a choice. So I chose the default yellow Mm -hmm. to be neutral. And I found that phrasing so interesting that there's a that there's a neutral skin tone that there's a neutral anything in this space. Um, And even when, uh, so the Unicode Unicode Consortium who uh, design and who are responsible for for these, for the emojis and how they look, um, or I guess the specifications of them, they came up with the yellow and they said, we wanted it to be, uh, yeah, a neutral skin color. Um, And I found it so interesting that 
it was basically only white people who were telling me we use the yellow because it's neutral. And then I think there was another piece that I quoted in the piece that I wrote that noted that if uh, if it's only white people who were using the yellow, then it's almost a proxy white. And I found that really interesting as well, just that that would be a thing. And, you know, referring to The Simpsons, I, at least for me, when I watched The Simpsons, I, I did assume that the yellow Simpsons were white because then there are black people in there and there's brown characters in there and the majority of characters are yellow or as one might understand white so that was yeah it was always very clear to me and to many other people that I spoke to that the yellow was a, a proxy for white so saying that that was neutral was uh, yeah an interesting understanding or interpretation of it. So in your day-to-day life, you know, as a person of color, when you see your white friends use a white emoji, like, do you interpret that as a proclamation of whiteness? <laughs> no, no, I, I totally don't. And I, I mean, I really should say it was really only white people in the U.S. who had that association of using a white emoji being associated with kind of white supremacy or supporting white power and that kind of thing. In like every other person I spoke to from other countries, nobody people were really surprised at that to me I think the, the the main thing that all this all these conversations and all this yeah all this research led to was that it's really not simple and there aren't any kind of hard and fast rules so a couple of people have asked me since I since the piece came out like so what should I do like which one should I use and that's that really wasn't the point of why I was looking into it or writing it like I don't think there are any prescriptive guidelines or norms that one should follow. Well, you also talked a little bit in the piece about how like like skin tones, it's just like one element of a face. Like I think somebody in you cite like a Washington Post article where the author was talking about it just being I think she says it's like a she says it's white emoji wearing masks because all the facial features are the same and then it's just like painted a different color basically. Is that something that other people brought up to you or just just something that you kind of like noticed in that piece? Yeah, it wasn't brought up that much. I think that takes, you have to have been thinking about the emoji skin tones and the the design of it for a long time to come to that level of kind of uh, interpretation. But yeah, the piece that I quoted, I think it's by Paige Tut in the Washington Post a couple of years ago. Uh, She makes a really good point that when there were calls for an increase of diversity, literally all they did was keep the same designs and add the ability to change the skin tone. So it's it's really it's not even an exaggeration to say it was it was a, a white face with a black kind of color skin on top. That's a really good extra kind of layer of analysis on this. I guess they could have changed the facial features, but it would have just been much more involved. And I think that, again, uh, highlights the limitations of how any kind of emoji could have been at all representative of all of the very diverse and different life experiences and appearances and identities and races that we have in the world today. So should we just get rid of emoji? Yeah, I was going to say, like, <laughs> so like net, net worth of this whole thing with emoji is like you felt really great when this came out but have you found that for many people it's just complicated the situation or do you think this ultimately was a worthwhile and good move for the Unicode consortium? Yeah I mean it's a really good question. I think they were always kind of going to be fighting a, a losing battle uh, not to sound too pessimistic but it was always just like a really hard problem and I guess the only kind of potential solutions or approaches that I can imagine is one that puts the user or the 
the person who's using the emoji in the position of being able to design their own emoji or being able to kind of control the images that they use a lot better. And I'm not sure how, like technically how that could work. But yeah, I think ceding a little bit of control over what those images look like and allowing people to, yeah, to have control and agency over what the emojis are that they use, that sound, that would meet a lot of the, the problems that, that identified. Just make Bitmoji usable on all platforms. Mm -hmm. This is the answer. Standardized Bitmoji. Yeah. Yeah, totally. All right. We did the thing. It's a long episode. Thank you for sticking with us. But I think this was a very good discussion, and I'm glad we did it at long last. To me, I mean, the overarching theme here is pretty obvious. It clearly seems like everyone doesn't use emoji skin tone in the same way. And also five skin tone possibilities doesn't even kind of even begin to address the complexity of the real world and the diversity of the people who live on it. Right. I think we pretty much decided that emoji should be completely replaced by a bitmoji, even though I do not have one. I don't know why. I don't know how to make one. Nobody's ever told me. Oh, I can help you. But yeah, like that's kind of what's interesting to me is you see Apple responding with Memoji. And then, of course, Bitmoji's been around for a really long time now. And uh, there's other apps, too. And it's like, yeah, people clearly do want to be able to create their own avatars that are totally customizable. But you run into this issue of like it's not standardized across the web. So like you can't mm -hmm. use it on I message Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, wherever else you're messaging people. It's a tough problem. I mean, maybe there should be some kind of like open forum on a different type of default that's not gold. Because I feel like that's another thing we talked about a lot is like people feel weird about the default because it, you know, the facial features of the emoji still look like you know, white people mm -hmm. faces and the gold is like so tightly associated with like the Simpsons, um, which is mostly right. white characters. Like maybe there's some kind of other middle ground option. Well, I do also just really want to give a shout out to this piece that was written by Jeremy Burge. It's called new emojis are here. We're not ready because he brings up a really interesting aspect of this whole issue that I don't think we really got into, which is just that keep in mind the keyboards that we're operating with on the iPhone and all smartphones, it is so difficult to cram more emoji into those keyboards. Like he points out that the superhero emoji has 12 variants for gender and skin tone. So six women, six men. Adding each hair type, which we kind of talked about how these are preset combos. So you can't even adjust your hair, but let's say you did. To those options of tones would take that to 12 and make it to 60 possible variants. And then suddenly you have 60 options for one emoji in the keyboard. Can you imagine having to scroll through 60 options? Okay. First of all, I think you could do it where you pick the skin color and then the hair like in a layered action, not so you have to actually scroll through all 60 combos. Second of all, when people talk about how there are too many emoji in the keyboard, it's like, could you get rid of maybe like the fax machine or something first before you <laughs> hey, tell me that you can't have don't this? Don't like, underestimate the fax machine. There's so many things in there that you would never use though. Like the weird like signs and icons at the end. Like I don't even understand what half of them are. These are not like useful pieces of But then, okay, so but then he gets into like an even more complex situation, which is mixed race families. Mm -hmm. So he writes, like, if you were to change the skin tone of an entire family so that every family member gets the same skin tone, that would require 125 new emoji. And then if each individual family member is permitted a different skin tone, the number of emoji would actually increase to 4,225 families. 
So I I don't have a solution. Actually, I kind of forgot that this happened, but Alexis Sohanian, the founder of Reddit, who is married to Serena Williams, was working on this project last year with Tinder and the Emoji Nation founder to like introduce interracial couple emoji through Unicode. Yeah. And he gave this like really nice like reasoning for it, which is just like, we want emoji that look like our family and like emoji are the universal language of the internet and should reflect the modern world. For sure. It just seems kind of like a cop out to be like, well, we don't have room for it in the keyboard. Well, this guy doesn't make, he doesn't make keyboards, this person. He just is pointing out that like, that's a UI issue. Like, if you right. have to define between four thousand possibilities just for one emoji, that's I mean, a lot. I get it. I don't. I don't know. All of this is just to say this is a complex problem, and we've tried our best. We really have. I hope that you've walked away from this episode with some nuance to it. I mean, at the very least, I would hope that all of our white listeners can walk away from this and like no longer use black thumbs up emoji in Slack. Have we come down though <laughs> on? whether you should be using the white emoji or the gold? Like, where are we at on that? I guess now that we've talked it through, I feel like I would be way more likely to use white emoji from now on because it's just like my inclination to be like, I don't want to declare myself white is like maybe overcompensating. It's like if I'm using the gold, I'm being like white is default, Mm -hmm. which is perhaps far more obnoxious than being like, I'm white, so I used a white emoji. Totally. Yeah, I agree with you. Like, I think... I've become more comfortable with the idea through this episode of using just the white emoji and being like, yeah, it's true. Like if you're using the default, you're like, this is white. Yeah. Yeah. So like this is actually really different from most of our episodes because I feel like we usually talk about choices people don't necessarily consciously know they're making. But this episode has definitely shown that emoji skin tone is a choice that people are thinking very deeply about and have worked through possible implications of all of it. Yeah. People are really agonizing over these decisions. I think also like even though we haven't been able to come up with a real like clean cut solution for this particular problem. It's useful that people talk about it because then in the future, like people who are designing tech products will, you know, think about this stuff in the first place instead of like having to backpedal and be like, oh no, how do we make this feature usable for all these different kinds of people? It's like, you should be thinking about that in the beginning. And also, I think the latest numbers on tech diversity are as bleak as ever. And that is like part of the reason that these things don't get thought of until years later. Yeah. So think about diversity, people. This is a problem for tech to solve. Caitlin and I have done our part. Do your part, tech. Have we done our part? We're talking about it. I think talking about it is like what you have to do in these situations. And it's the only way tech companies are going to actually start paying attention. Okay. With that, we're going to wrap up. And I'm going to give my spiel. As always, if you have feedback on the episode or you want to chat with us some more, feel free to email us at button at theverge.com. You can also tweet at Caitlin at K-A-I-T underscore Tiffany. You can tweet at me at Ashley R. Carmen. Thank you again to our producers, Bridget Armstrong, Andrew Marino, and Zach Mack. We'll be back again next week. See you later. Bye. Bye. Bye.